This episode and every episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Ironmonger Brewing. Visit Ironmonger at their tap room in Marietta, Georgia, or online at ironmongerbrewing.com. Open up a tab, grab a seat, and pour a pint. It's time for the Beer Guys Radio Show. You want free beer? Go to the brewery. Dedicated to the art, science, and enjoyment of craft beer. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Now, here are your hosts, Tim Dennis and Brian Hewitt. And welcome to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We are broadcasting from the Beer Guys Radio Studios in Marietta, Georgia. And this week we're talking with Exhibit A Brewing. I'm Tim Dennis, and with me as always is my good friend and co-host, Brian Hewitt. Hey, Tim. Joining us today, we have Kelsey Roth, the general manager of Exhibit A. We're going to talk about award-winning Kolsch's, new IPAs, and possibly the right way to pour a beer, because I saw that it was a a topic. It's a burning question I have. burning question. Yes, we're doing all the burning questions. Kelsey, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Massachusetts beer, it's a hot topic on Beer Guys Radio recently. It is. (laughs) Wandering Soul last week, good times. And uh, he mentioned, I think, Kelsey, before the show, you mentioned you do know Matt. Over there yep. at Wandering Soul. So, yeah, he's a good good guy. Yeah, Seems like a lot of good stuff happened. There's a little brewery near Boston, I think, that's pretty hot for the Northeast IPAs and stuff. So Yeah, there's one you know, out in all- Charlton, too. A little one out there. But <laughs> I may be biased, but we got the best beer out here in Massachusetts, I think. So. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. It, you know, beer prices vary everywhere, don't they, Kelsey? Wherever you go, you may find a little price. Have you happened to fly through LaGuardia recently? No, not recently. Okay. <laughs> I haven't well, flown anywhere recently. <laughs> well, let me tell you what you would expect if you were grabbing you a beer at LaGuardia. So the internet lit up a few days ago with some beer prices there. One person posted a menu that they had of some of the beer prices. What would you expect to pay for a Michelob Ultra at LaGuardia? I would say that at any airport, but especially anything in New York at LaGuardia, I would expect nothing less than probably 12 to $15. Okay, $13 from okay. Mick Ultra. Yeah. A bargain, right, Kelsey? Yeah. Thirteen bucks from Nick Ultra oh, sure. there. Uh, <laughs> now, if you want to upgrade to a fat tire, that's going to set you back twenty one dollars. But if you want to go super premium, a Sam Adams Summer Ale <laughs> was almost twenty eight dollars, twenty seven dollars and eighty five cents. Wow! At one location in Laguardia, and to top it off, at the bottom of the menu there was a note that said they had a COVID nineteen recovery charge, where they tacked on another ten percent to all menu items. COVID nineteen. COVID-19. Oh, okay. Not 18. Or is it 19? It is 19. Is it Brian. 19? Okay. I thought I was right, and you confused me. I was me, like, but... hang on. I'm like, is that number right? Because I looked at it and it looked weird to me for some reason. You're, I don't know why. You're behind on your COVID. I, I guess so. Is that the Delta variant? I don't <laughs> uh, know. No one knows, Brian. No one knows. But so that would mean 30 bucks for Sam Adams, for a, for oh a my pour gosh. of Sam Adams there. So, uh, Kelsey, what is the most expensive beer you've ever personally seen on a menu? Who I'd say it's probably been like a like a Cantillon or something at a bar for like $30 or something right. like that. But, right. For a big bottle of Cantillon, you, you're game yeah. for 30 bucks, though, right? Yeah, I, I would probably pay that. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, that's yeah. a bargain. <laughs> See? Brian, how about you? What do you think the most expensive you've seen is? Well, I know that's probably the one you're going to say, so I'm going to say something else. I was in New Orleans one time, and a Cantillon figured into it, and I don't recall the exact prices, but I think we had – Various spontaneous beers, twelve ounces. When we were paying in the twenties and thirties dollars for just those for little twelve, 12 ounces. ounces, right? But uh, yeah, I, I'll let you talk about the uh, the one charitable one. I will mention that one, but you know, if you count like seeing on the online menus and that, we had uh, Hair of the Dog Brewing. There is it, Dave. 
that oh. was a five hundred dollar for a twelve ounce bottle oh, for a I vintage didn't think bottle about of those. that. Yeah. And then you have, of course, the uh, Toppling Goliath brews. Yeah, that, that was are, a KBB. KBB, BBS. Something like that? Yeah. yeah like $1,000 or something like that at one right. point? Yeah. But as the one you know, a Canadian breakfast style founder CBS for $150 for a yep. bottle. And uh, we purchased that one, Kelsey. We paid $150 for it. But $100 of that went to a local charity. And this was back in the days when, you know, CBS is sitting on shelves some places still. Yeah. So it's something, you know, you can still get your hands on. But back then, it was it was a rare luxury. It was the kind of thing you would leave a Christmas dinner to go drink because one place was tapping it on Christmas Day. Yes. And so you would actually leave your friends and family to go drink that beer. It was that yeah. special. Not so much now. Not but, so much. Yeah. Kelsey, what's the most you've ever paid for a beer? Oh, well, I'd have to think about that one. I would say it was $99 for a six-pack of West Lettering okay. or okay. Westy 12. Good old Westy Tom. I get uh, that. And that was okay. when they did that drop. My wife was like, you spent how much on a six-pack? <laughs> You're like, but it's Westy. I'm like, I mean, yeah, I'm like, when, when am I going to get this again? Exactly. <laughs> that's know, a good and point. it came with two glasses. So. It did. It was actually a really nice little pack. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah, yeah right, that's so. right. Yeah. That's right. That pack, I think it was like our 120 year or something like that. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I was spendy for basically four. I don't even think it was six. I think it was four it beers. Was six, I think it was six was it beers six? and two glasses. Okay. All that's right. what I, I think I still have one bottle and one glass. Okay. Sell for mine. I actually was over in Belgium and I brought some back. I think I still have a bottle left from that trip somewhere. I've squirreled it away deep in the uh, recesses of the cellar. So I need to dig yeah. that out. You it's, know, there's beers out there that are well beyond any of this $100, $150 bottle stuff. Like, I think it, what's the old, can, is it Don Quixote? Isn't there an old Cantillon that's, I think, I think that may be it. I may have it mixed up, but I mean, we're talking thousands, multiple thousands of dollars for oh, some yeah. of these bottles. And there are people that actively hunt them. What's well, the uh, the one cable car that people probably spend that hundreds was, of dollars that was up for that there one? For, yeah, right? uh, yeah. This, there are lists out there for yeah. the really expensive ones. The Sink the Bismarck, I think people pay a ton of money for that. Is that the one that's in the like squirrel? Vintage Thomas Hardy. Too. Vintage, yeah, the Thomas yeah. Hardys and stuff. Yeah, and I mean those are fantastic. I they are really game good for that. Yeah. I've actually seen some Tom Hardys, not like the super vintage ones, but whenever they're on menus, they're the eleven point two ounce bottles, and they're pricey. They're up there like yeah. fifteen plus dollars a bottle. But so. I don't think I could go thirty on a Sam Adams. Yeah, no, I, I can't. I don't think I could. I do don't that. think I could do that. Well, Tim, I think it's time for us to get into the beers of the week. Now it's time for our beers of the week, brought to you by the Nest Craft Beer and Barbecue in downtown Kennesaw, Georgia. TheNestKennesaw.com. Brian, this may come as a surprise to you, but we have a nice list of beers to get into. How about that? We do, we do. You know, and actually, the first one, I'm just going to get crazy. The first beer isn't even a beer. What? What are you talking about? It's a seltzer, Brian. Oh, no. And you know, anybody who's been listening to us knows we've griped and whined about seltzers over the years. We're caving in. We're just, they're breaking our spirit, man. Yeah. We're broken down now. We're broken down. (laughs) And it's one of our friends that brewed it. So, you know, Iron Marga Brewing, they've got under their Naughty Soda brand, they've released some seltzers. And they have a cucumber lemon. Man, that's almost a gin and tonic in a can. That is legitimately the best seltzer I've personally tried. I think I'd have to agree. I'm a big fan of the gin and tonics. We've talked about, I think we've talked about the Cutwater gin and tonic. Cutwater gin and tonics. I like that a lot. This has a lot of that big cucumber aroma to it, and it does not taste fake. I actually really like this. Very close to gin and tonic. That's what I like. Very nice. Yeah. We're also going to get into a switchback. I think it's pronounced Bizune. I think so. And that is a smoked Saison. Going a little classic beer. We have a Genesee Red Lager. From our friends at Six Bridges, a beer they just released last weekend that they do an annual release. 
Six Bridges Love Tractor, which is a peach milkshake IPA. And they had the whole crew there peeling fresh Georgia peaches to put into this beer. So that's going to be a fun one. And we also have Mortalis Hydra, Ooh. which is a fruited sour that no Mike Nate brought in to share with us. So we're going to get down on that, Brian. It's going to be a good time. Sounds great. So, Brian, why don't you tell us what's happening in the news? What's in the news? The beer guys have the scoop. Extra, extra, read all about it. Time for headlines. Well, as you know, Tim, I'm a fan of beer innovation, especially innovations of dubious value, which brings us to Dogfish Head releasing a beer in scratch and sniff packaging. So for those of you that are not old enough to remember the hot stuff pizza stickers, I don't know if you ever saw those, Tim, but they were basically stickers treated with a fragrant coating and they release aroma when you scratch them. They were pretty popular in the late 70s, early 80s. And uh, But don't get too excited. It, it seems like this scratch and sniff packaging is only for their new hoppy variety pack. Each 12-pack box of cans well, has a little hop cone in the top corner on the front, and uh, you scratch it, it's going to smell like hops because it's infused with real, though unspecified, hop oils. Craft Brewing Business brings up a good point on this innovation. It's an odd time to be encouraging strangers to finger and smell beer packaging in a public environment. So Get your Delta variant here. Right. Come on. I was going to say, is this like the COVID-18 or Scratch 19 variety? Scratch the little COVID, yeah. the little COVID mm, cell there. It smells like sickness. That's yeah. it, right. <laughs> So uh, bad news for macro fans. According to MarketWatch, Molson Coors is killing off 11 economy brands. And that's whole brands, not just individual beers. So like 100 SKUs, as they say in the uh, beer selling business. Among the brands are Milwaukee's Best Premium, Keystone Ice, Steel Reserve 211 or 211, yeah. And a nostalgic one for me, Henry Weinhardt's Private Reserve, one of the first beers I've ever had, if not the exact first. So they're going to focus on premiumization and seltzers, Tim. A sad moment for it you, is. Brian. It sad is. moment. Well, you're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We do need to take a break, but we'll be back very soon with more from Exhibit A Brewing. Headed to the Battery in Atlanta? Be sure to check out the Terrapin Atlanta Brewery and Taproom. Whether the Braves are playing at home or on the road, the Terrapin Brewery and Taproom is always pouring all of our locally brewed Georgia beers like Hop Executioner and High and Hazy, while also introducing small batch R&D beers created on our five-barrel pilot system right inside the Braves Stadium. And if you're looking for great food, we've got you covered with Fox Brothers Texas-style barbecue. Stop by and see us today at the Terrapin Brewery and Taproom at the Battery Atlanta. Powder season is here, and the nest in Kennesaw, Georgia, has plenty of outdoor space for you to enjoy a cold beer and some tasty barbecue. They've got 48 taps of great beer, wine, cider, and even hard seltzers, plus an impressive craft cocktail list, so there's something for everyone. If you're ready for some friendly competition, head over every Tuesday for trivia, or relax and take in the local talent with live music every Wednesday and Sunday. Enjoy the great weather while you can. Grab your friends and head to the nest in Kennesaw, Georgia. the beer guys on facebook twitter and instagram now back to the beer guys radio show welcome back to the beer guys radio show remember all episodes are available on demand so if you miss the broadcast get the podcast beer guys radio is available on all popular and unpopular podcasting apps now let's get back to exhibit a brewing company kelsey we're gonna start with a simple question all about you how'd you get into the beer biz well, I, I used to be a media producer, so I produced uh, videos and websites and 
all that kind of stuff. But I kind of got tired of doing that, but I was always into craft beer and, you know, Belgian beer was really my first love. And I found that there was a, a local craft beer store um, out here in Belmont, Massachusetts, which is just outside of Boston. And they were going to start, they were going to open their second location and they're looking for people to kind of come in and help them open the store. And uh, the two women who were behind this were really ahead of the game when they came out with this idea. And I said, you know, if I'm going to get into this industry, these are some of the people that I want to work for. So I opened that second craft beer cellar was the name of the, the store. I was and, wondering if that's what you were talking about. There. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so I helped them open their second store. Then they brought me onto the brand team. I helped them open 26 more across the country. But at that point, they're was only so far that I could go in the company unless they made me an owner. So I, uh, I was looking around for some other opportunities and a guy I had met through the industry, Matthew Steinberg was looking to open his own place. And he was looking for, you know, the lead singer of the band who could come in and kind of open the front of the house. And so I helped, you know, since that, with my background, I was able to design the logo. I do all the can art. I, you know, have experience with POS systems and set up the whole tap room and just kind of got that whole front end of the business going so he could focus on the brewing and production and trench drains and all the things that they worry about. And so I've, I've been now doing this for eight years. I think I've been uh, in the industry for about eight okay. years now. Have you ever uh, brewed? Have you ever been in that uh, set? No. <laughs> okay. All right. Are you interested in brewing, like home brewing um, or anything like that? You know, uh, like people used to ask me this too when I was at Craft Beer Cellar. It's like, you know, why don't you home brew? You know, it sounds like so much fun. And I'm like, yeah, but it's like I'm surrounded by world class beers. Like, yeah. why would I want to make my own crappy stuff? You know, <laughs> yeah. so, it's a fair um, point. It is. A, it's yeah. a very good point. So, sure. You know, it's like I've got professionals now who who brew beer for a living, and they make my beer now. I've definitely had a few other friends that express that same thing. You know, there's there's so much great beer around me. I don't have a need to do it. So and it's it's a great yeah. point because when we started home brewing way back in the day, we were aware of some great world class beers, but you couldn't find them hardly ever. Yeah, and the, when they did come here, you chased trucks around town to get one bottle. One bottle, and so yeah. you're you're like, well, we can figure out how to make our own and and make do with the rest of the time. You don't have that problem now. You, you know? don't. No, barrel aged I mean, beers everywhere. We haven't done it in a while, but I do still enjoy brewing. You know, I, I enjoyed that aspect of it and the social aspect. You know, home brewing, different game than commercial, of course. And there's so many people that they enjoy home brewing so much. They're like, I want to be a brewer. And I've heard, you know, many stories of people getting out there when they realize that it's really, it's a factory job. You know, it's, yeah. it's physical labor. It's not the same as the five-gallon batch with your buddies in the garage, cracking beers and ordering exactly. pizza. Exactly. It, Some or, breweries are. Or fiddling around with beer smith and tweaking recipes and yeah. whatnot, which yeah. was always a lot of fun. You don't get to do a lot of that. There's, You know what your IPA is. you you got to do this many gallons of it to get it out to market. you just got to do it over and over and over again because – some breweries, yeah. Some get crazy out there. True, have a good true. time with it. We've hired a few uh, guys who who were home brewers, uh, guys and ladies who were home brewers, and I always ask them like a few months in, it's like, so are you still home brewing? They're like, no, no, nope, no. Nope. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like I brew all day. I don't want to go home and brew more. So I think they they say, okay, I'm just going to put that aside and just focus on on the commercial yeah. side. It's the very we, rare specimen that goes home and does that. But uh, who was it we were victory. talking? Victory. Yeah, Brewery. Victory. He's got a mini production level brewery. Like he's got a pilot system at home and he still brews. He's got like three different beers well, on tap and all the time. It sounded like Kelsey, he'd crossed over the bridge to the other side. Like, you know, you brew for so many years, you don't want to home brew, 
But then victory got so big that he wasn't really brewing. That's true. So he finally crossed to the point where he could brew again at home. You know, while still having yeah. these breweries. So that's a fair point. Yeah, he's not doing a lot of actual brewing these days. So yeah, you wouldn't miss that. Yeah, we yeah. got to follow up with him on that collab we were talking about. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we we have to, I have to look at the notes. I forget the details, but we'd have to check in on that. So what's the story behind the uh, the name, Kelsey? So yeah, this is probably the number one asked question when people come into our tap room was like, so where'd the name come from? You know, or people are like, so you know, were you founded by lawyers? You know, and the question of that is no. The name actually came from the scales first. Matthew, who is our co-founder, he uh, always wanted to do something with scales. And uh, for him, scales mean balance. Beer is about balance. It's about balancing you know, bitterness and sweetness or hops and malt. He's been brewing. I like to say his brewing career is now old enough to drink. Okay. And, uh, you know, but he'd always been brewing for other people. So this was his chance to kind of do his own thing and also kind of get back that quality of life. So it's balance in life, balance, you know, balance in ingredients, balance in beer. And his business partner really liked the concept of the scales and said, you know, I really like that because I always thought exhibit would be a cool name for a brewery because when you see, you know, cans on a shelf, you know, with all the artwork and everything, it's kind of like an art exhibit. And, sure. but exhibit brewing company didn't have quite have a great ring to it. So they kind of said, well, how about exhibit a, and that kind of sounded a little bit better. I always liked it because for me, beer is about the stories that you create with beer. You know, it's the, you know, it's where you have it. It's who you have it with. That's sometimes more important than the beer itself. So I like that concept because every great story would begin with the, with an exhibit a. So. Sure. That's, a. You know, great <laughs> point. I was talking to a, a friend recently who, We've known each other 30 years. We've lived on the other side of the country from each other for like 20 years. But in our younger days, we enjoyed as many Miller Genuine Drafts as we could back. And we were talking, and he's just he's going through a tough time right now. He's like, man, he's like, I need you to meet me at the bridge. I'll bring the MGDs. You bring the pork rinds. <laughs> and I tell you what, I wish we were close enough to hang out at the bridge and drink those MGDs because, like you said, it's not always about the beer, you know, just kind of the memory, the moment, the person you're with there. And, It'd be good to get back there with the old buddy and hang out on the country bridge drinking some MGDs. You could uh, FaceTime them or something and both hang out at that's, different you bridges. Know what? There you and go. We can do it. We have the technology. Yeah, that's right. We're, we do now. It's like yeah. it's, everything is remote. So, uh, so you were named the most underrated brewery in Massachusetts by Thrillist. Do you think that's a, a fair thing? Are you underrated? We're taking that as a compliment. You know, <laughs> um, now we've been around for just about five years. And and I think, you know, in some ways it's easy to get overshadowed by the big names, you know, like Trillium and Treehouse and Jack's Abbey. And, you know, and we're in Sam Adams' backyard and we're in uh, Harpoon's backyard. Um, so it's it's sometimes easy to get overlooked by some of these bigger names. But, you know, we've always just been focused on, on quality and putting out good beer and creating a good experience when you come visit us. And... You know, so we took that as a compliment. We said, hey, you know, thank you for recognizing what we're doing. And that, you know, we love that they recognize that in the midst of all of these other great breweries that, you know, we're right up there with them. Sure. There's room out there to play if you if you got skills. It's mm-hmm. just because you're surrounded by greats doesn't mean you're not also great. Just not sure. maybe as large and great. So. As recognized. Maybe, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard for everybody to have the spotlight all the time, you know? Yeah. Kelsey, mm-hmm. did I hear correctly? I, I watched some other interviews you did out there. Are you in Jack Savvy's original or old location? Is that right? Yes. So we took over their old building when they moved to their much larger facility. So okay. we're still about 
you know, half a mile down the street from them. So you got the good juju there from them, right? So oh, yeah, absolutely. Get, take advantage of it all you <laughs> I can. I think I heard part of that where they just took over the lease. It was kind of a cool thing where it was just like, hey, we're done with this. Just take over the lease and it's okay. yours, which is that works which out. is crazy. Is that right? Is that how that worked? Yeah, it was a little more complicated than that, but <laughs> yeah. um, okay. we did buy their old brew house and some of their old fermenters and things like that. So, okay. um, so it probably shaved six months off of our startup time. You know, I have not done the Northeast tour in the last time I was up in the Northeast. I lived there and I was 14 years old, 15 years old. So I got to get back up because there's just so much great beer, you know, up there. There's a lot of great beer around the country, but man, the Northeast has really got a nice density there. I'd love to get up there. It'd be, we'll have to do yeah. it, Brian. We'll have to get it planned. Yeah. Well, you're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We need to take another break, but we'll be back very soon with more from Exhibit A Brewing. For a perfect afternoon beer, a feel-good weeknight beer with your dinner, or a great beer for whenever you don't want alcohol, look no further than Athletic Brewing. They've won awards on multiple continents and are revolutionizing anything you've ever thought about non-alcoholic beer. Check out their website at athleticbrewing.com for a store closest to you or order online with free shipping nationwide. Athleticbrewing.com. Use code BEERGUYS25 to get 25% off your first round on us. Brian and Tim, the beer guys. If you're like us, no lunch or dinner is complete without a pint or two of craft beer. Which is why Truck and Tap in downtown Woodstock, Alpharetta, and Duluth are always on our list. Tim, why do they call it Truck and Tap? Well, the tap part is easy, Brian. They've got 18 of them. As for the truck part, that's where it gets interesting. Truck and Tap features your favorite Atlanta area food trucks, so you're getting a different menu every day. Truck and Tap in downtown Woodstock, Alpharetta, and Duluth. Truckandtap.com. Let them know that the beer guys sent you. the beer guys on facebook twitter and instagram roger roger what's our back there victor now back to the beer guys radio show welcome back to the beer guys radio show i want to give a quick shout out to one of our great radio affiliates kqam the big talker 1480 am and 102.5 fm in wichita kansas catch beer guys radio and kqam every saturday at 9 p.m now let's get back to exhibit a brewing you know kelsey we just poured us a new beer here and I see you are pouring a beer, so let's talk about pouring beers. Yes. So I saw a video. Uh, it did some little cuts here and there, but it was at your tap room, and the bartender was pouring. It looked to be a hazy IPA maybe, but they fully inverted the can and just let that thing ramble into the glass. You know, a nice <laughs> hard pour. Now, I think the hard pour is becoming a more popular method to pour a beer as opposed to the gently trickling it down the side of the glass. So mm. what's the best way to pour a beer and why is that the best way? I don't think it's the best way. I think it uh, it's all about the foam at the end of the day. You know, like you want some head on there. So, you know, the way we train our taproom staff is to start on the angle and then you know, okay. kind of finish sure. straight the up. Classic. So you get that, right, you know, right. So you get sure. that percussive, you know, action on the top to kind of get that head because then without the head, then you don't get aroma and all of that. 
but yeah, I, mean, I think, you know, especially with some of the uh, New England IPAs, if you pour them hard, well, I know some people like roll the cans as well, because there might be some sediment on the bottom and things like that. But you pour the can hard and it's going to just burst with aroma because you're going to be okay. getting all that right. foam. So, you know, for me, an IPA is all about that aroma. So, yeah, we also love the nice slow pour. You know, going to a place where you get a nice slow pour, where the foam on them is, is like thick as meringue. Oh, yeah. It just yeah. stands up on the glass. Yeah, the side pour faucet. Yes, the nice side <laughs> pours there. Do you man, have any of nice those? Beer. Uh, we do not, but uh, but they're getting pretty popular, you know, it, it, uh, especially with like the lager focus breweries. Yeah, here. yeah. Have you tried your cold shot of one of them? Has it ever been served on a side pool? I have not aware? yet, no. Okay. Um, well, we're going to have to get it on draft at one of the bars that does those. Yeah, have to talk them into that. <laughs> well, I've learned, though, Kelsey, because I'm a professional drinker, <laughs> that I'll go to the bar and I'll order my slow pour side pole beer, but I'll order another regular one while I'm waiting for that one to be poured. Yeah. You know, so got, there's our pro tip from the beer guys. Well, it's like a Guinness, you know, like you have sure. to wait for the Guinness, you know, so. Right. I have experimented with the, the faux slow pour where it's a matter of a lot of pounding of the glass and a hard pour, and it's a, you get a bit of a softer beer, and i got to tell you, the aromatics are huge. Uh, yeah. You can get uh, some very impressive aromatics out of beer. It completely changes up the beer. Like that hard pour with a good, like, thick head on it, but it takes a little work to do. It's just, yeah. yeah. Well, we've got the physics machine here in the studio oh, that... Yeah. I guess five years ago about is when they came out. And I don't think they like took off, took off, but it, it's one of these things, Kelsey, it uses Sound. sonic vibrations mm-hmm. to aerate the beer in that. And it's a, a pseudo nitro, a pseudo slow pour kind of thing. Yeah. it's. But a- I think my point being is I expected it to be a do nothing gimmick and it was not, it does with the right beer. It does definitely change you know, the mouth fill the aroma, the flavor. Now, just like with a slow pour or my faux pour or anything else, it's not right for every beer, for it's sure. It's not. Some Definitely are worse oh, when you yeah. put it through there. But some, I was impressed with the way. Are you familiar with that physics machine? Um, I've seen it. I've never had yeah. anything out of it, though. Yeah, so, so it, it, interesting. it was something that was, you know, I was looking forward to playing around with in that and expect to be like, oh, yeah, this doesn't do anything. But it, it did. As it I recall, did. I think that the inventor of it, didn't he wind up starting a brewery? Source Brewing. Source Brewing. Source That's Brewing. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went off to get into his own brewery. Uh, I think New Jersey, thing. if I'm not mistaken. Sounds about right. I have a vague recollection yep. of seeing an article with a picture of He took a, this on Shark Tank. That's right, yeah. Yeah, Phil <laughs> Petraca. He took it on Shark Tank there, so. Okay, there's our diversion, Kelsey. Exactly. We, we, <laughs> we went to the physics machine there for a little while, so. Let's jump back to beer distribution. Brian, you've got a note here yes. that I think is something. You guys just recently started a direct-to-consumer distribution. Yep. Is that as much of an absolute pain in the bum as it sounds like it is? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I figured, exactly. It sounds amazing uh, from the consumer angle, though. Yeah, there's still some challenges with it, and I think the biggest one is is the cost of shipping. But... You know, it was a lot of paperwork because you have to go get licensed in every single state that allows you to do direct to consumer shipping. So once we got all the paperwork done and everything, now we're we're clear to to send it out. But you know, if you're going to be paying sixteen dollars in shipping, uh, you want to order more than a sixteen dollar four pack of beer. Right, so, it's a fair point. Um, so we fair try point. to encourage. So we got like uh, twelve pack shippers. You know, we encourage people to fill up that box and makes makes the shipping more worthwhile. One of the things uh, that we've been working on with the Brewers Association is allowing the United States Postal Service to ship beer, which they're yeah. currently not allowed to. So if they could ship beer, 
then that would bring the price way down, you know, and make make it a lot more viable too. I know it's been talked about a couple times, and they said they're really pushing that, you know, to let the USPS do beer deliveries. Boy, the way they're hurting, they better get everything they can. Oh, for sure. Get it in there. I know that going back a number of years, I used to order a lot of beers online to get exciting stuff that we couldn't get here in Georgia. And uh, I think people are kind of used to how much the shipping is. But a lot of places, if you order a certain number of beers or a certain value, they throw in free shipping or it's, it's reduced. But I kind of knew that I'm going to wind up paying somewhere between 20 and $40 for this. So I better make this count. I'm going to get all the stuff I want to get. So many times I have filled my cart on a beer site. And emptied it once I saw the shipping price. Uh, yeah. It is a discourager there. It does. So, yeah. yeah, but if you are if you really, really want some of those beers, and I really did at this point in time, I would make I put other stuff in there to justify it to myself. So I'm you like, end up spending a lot more I than I spent more right. to, to justify it to myself. So it worked out to their advantage that the shipping was that way. But if shipping was like Amazon where you could have prime and free shipping prime and all that. Prime beer shipping. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I'd have it <laughs> just have it come every week, through. you know? Yeah. Going to that, Kelsey, is it doing well for you? Uh, it's doing okay, uh, especially during the shutdown. It was a great way for us to kind of keep uh, you know beer sales flowing. And, you know, I think now that things are opening up again a little bit more, um, you know, people are doing a little bit less drinking at home and doing more drinking out at bars and restaurants. So it's slowed down a little bit from, I think, because of that. But it's still out there, and I think it's a great option. I think what we're seeing a lot of is people who live around here who are big fans of our beer, sending it to their friends and family. You okay, know, it's like, cool. oh, you know, you got to, yeah. this is my favorite brewery from Massachusetts. You know, check these out. So it's a little bit more of that than it is, you know, people in Virginia going, oh, I can get Exhibit A. So do you do like local deliveries there where you're at, or is that still like shipping? Yeah, we don't do deliveries out of the brewery. And part of that was, you know, we had a big discussion about that when they legalized it in Massachusetts. And because there were so many liquor stores, around us that were doing delivery, we felt that we didn't really want to step on their toes. Okay. So gotcha. um, yeah. if people ask like, Oh, do you do delivery? We would just refer them to a local liquor store and say, Hey, you know, these guys are good accounts of ours. Okay. Um, you know, just give them a ring. We had the stepping on toes discussion here <clears> back <throat> in 2017. They passed the law that allowed our breweries to do direct sales finally. <laughs> and, you know, of course, from the retailers lobby, there was a lot of people that said they didn't want to compete you know, hey, I'm your retail partner. I'm the one that sells your beer, you know, so. Yeah, you're cutting me out, taking my profit, you know. When I was on the retail side, I was on the other side of this, and we would say, like, our biggest competition is in, like, Total Wine and Wegmans and, like, the big the big box stores. Our biggest competition is the brewery taproom. Because you can get probably fresher beer right from the source, you know, than you could from our store. So we have to be able to, A, make sure that our beer is just as fresh, and to make sure that we have a great variety that uh, that maybe they can't get in the state. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I always found that, that a valid argument if you're really close to the brewery. But if you get even on the other side of town, I know in Atlanta, that's sure. kind of a big deal. I mean, uh, I might just pick it up. I see some Cherry Street beer around. I'm like, I'm not driving up to Alpharetta, but I will get some Step and Razor out of a liquor store. I mean, I got to yeah. admit, it's not going to take a lot of distance for me to like to pick it up from my... I've got a grocery store an eighth of a mile from my house. And the closest brewery is like three and a half miles. It's a no-brainer for me. There's no point for me to drive, you know, three miles when I can go an eighth of a mile <laughs> and get it there. Yeah. So, yeah. Perfect. Absolutely. Well, you're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We do need to take another break, but we'll be back very soon with more from Exhibit A Brewing. 
Have you ever thought about owning your own brewery but don't know what it takes to get one built? We're Storytime Construction, and we build breweries. We're Georgia's most experienced and hands-on contractors when it comes to building new breweries and tap rooms or expanding existing breweries. We offer full build-outs, remodeling, and additions, as well as consulting and construction management. Give us a call at 770-733-4343. Storytime Construction. We build breweries. Have you visited Ironmonger Brewing recently? Take a trip and see the newly renovated and spacious tap room or enjoy the outdoors in their new beer garden with plenty of seating and shade to ease that summer sun. Ironmonger's tap room has a variety of craft beer and hard seltzer on tap with wine and spirits coming soon. Ready for a bit of adventure? Try out axe throwing with Ironmonger's 16 target range. It's a perfect spot for some quick fun or to host your next party or corporate event. So grab your friends and have some fun today at Ironmonger Brewing. Follow the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Now, back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash beerguys. Patrons get cool perks like Beer Guys swag and commercial-free episodes. Now let's get back to Exhibit A Brewing Company. Kelsey, we want to talk to you about a lot of your cool beers, but before we do, there's something here that I just think is super awesome that I'd like to talk about a little bit. So on Sundays at your tasting room, you do something called autism welcoming hours. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yep. So what is that? As far as we know, we're the first brewery in Massachusetts to actually uh, become a certified autism welcoming business uh, brewery in, uh, in Massachusetts. And what that means is that our managers and staff went through a training session with the Autism Alliance and Advocates, which is a nonprofit group out here who focuses on, you know, advocacy for uh, people with who are on the autism spectrum. And so part of what we do to offer, um, you know, a welcoming place for people with autism is to offer these special hours on Sundays from noon to one, where the music's quieter, people can come in, request special tables, you know, and things like that you know, depending on what their sensitivities might be. And our staff is ready and prepared to help them out. That's cool. You know, uh, they're welcome, of course, anytime. And we have, you know, sensory kits that uh, that they can request that has like headphones and like devices, you know, that they can squeeze, you know, or puzzles and things like that, um, coloring pages, things like that uh, can help them kind of relax and kind of get into their space. You know, for us, it's another way that we try to be more inclusive and to make sure that we're welcoming to everyone who comes to the brewery and that they feel comfortable being there. And that's what's most important for us. That's pretty awesome. That is pretty cool. I've yeah. never heard of that. I'd never heard of that before, but I can understand why. I'd, I'd heard of other businesses doing something similar, you know, where they basically not just the sound, but the overall sensory experience. They well, like take the, the lighting is too bright. Like sure. the, the, even the lighting here in the studio. Noises, too textures, all yeah. kinds of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about some beer. Your latest release, Short Cell. Tell us about that. What is this beer? So short sell is, we say it's the kind of the, it's a partner beer to another beer that we released called Market Gap. And these two IPAs are, we're calling them American IPAs for lack of a better term, but we want to really kind of straddle that line between a New England style IPA and a West Coast style IPA. So it has the kind of hazy juiciness that you would get from 
Uh, well, it's not like completely hazy, but it's got a little bit of the haze and some juiciness that you would get from a New England style IPA, but then it has a nice assertive bitterness to it too. But the real kind of tie-in that these two beers have, have to each other is their local grains. So they are brewed with entirely locally grown, locally malted grains. And we did some calculations and we figured out that for every single 16 ounce can that you drink, you are supporting three square feet of local farmland. So we think that's uh, pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's like those things that do, you should start selling titles like Lord and Lady titles to that three foot of farmland. Like, the, <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah. It's like one square foot. Oh, you think of like yeah, the you, NFTs you or whatever? One square foot. That's right. <laughs> NFTs. We were talking about those. That's they right. Can do that. <laughs> yeah. NFT for this square footage of this, of this farm. That's interesting. I wouldn't have realized that many square feet goes into a, a 16 ounce beer. I guess there's yeah. the cones are when you, Reduce them in size to what their basic components are. Now, it I takes do, a lot of them. I do want to clarify something here, Brian. You What's don't that? think that means that that's three square feet of farmland that goes into the beer, correct? Not the dirt, too? No, no. What I'm <laughs> saying is I think what they're saying is the purchase price is supporting. Am I correct or is Brian here, Kelsey? Can I was you clarify the that? So I'm going to be diplomatic and say you're both correct. Okay. Um, in, All right. In that it's because we are purchasing this grain from the local farmers and from the local malt house that we are supporting, you are supporting that much square footage, but it's because of the amount of grain that we're able to purchase to brew the beer. Uh, okay. There you go. I was so, thinking uh, you're hops. Supporting that much. He's really win, saying grain. Brian. Yeah, we're both yes, the grains. We both, we're bo- we, both uh, we get the, uh, the placements. <laughs> we we cross the finish line. No, you had a short sell, and what was the other one? The uh, market uh, the gap? The other called market gap. Yeah, and short sell is 4.7% ABV, and market gap was 67 I'm going to look out for yeah. Diamond Hands and To the Moon, you know, those other market-related beers there, so... To the moon and yeah. bull, bull market and all. So what, what's the story with the uh, kind of the financial names there? Is there a theme I'm um, missing? Well, the market gap came from the idea that this is kind of filling a niche that we're not seeing in the market out here, which is, you know, you either get, um, I'm pretty much everybody out here because we're in New England, does a New England style IPA. And almost nobody's doing a West Coast style IPA, but there's a few people who are doing that, but there's really nothing in between. That kind of, you know, it has that juiciness, has, but still has that nice assertive bitterness to it. So it was filling that market gap. And then we also wanted to do a session version of it. And uh, our taproom manager came up with the idea of, of calling it short sell. You know, it's kind of a, another financial term. So we're like, oh, that's great. So let's go with that. And- <laughs> Man, somebody around Nebraska, Kansas, all of those states should really capitalize on the Midwest IPA. The Midwest, yeah. the hybrid there, they really should, they well, should think, make the Midwest IPA. So the, uh, the, the guest we're having on next week has something on their menu called a mountain IPA, which I, okay. I assume okay. or wonder or think it might have something to do with that, but I don't know for a fact. We'll have to get to the bottom so of that. So many then. regional IPAs. But we should talk about Goody Two Shoes before we run out of time. That Kolsch, it's, uh, it's done well. It's won you some awards, right? Well, it's one of some critical acclaim, I would say. It's funny. It's our most critically acclaimed beer. It's probably our lowest graded beer on Untapped. <laughs> um, such is yeah, the life, uh, life yeah. of a Kolsch, right? <laughs> but <laughs> we say this is kind of the heart and soul of our of our brewery. You know, when Matthew and I were kind of discussing the beers that we would launch with, he was like, I really want to do a Kolsch. And um, at that time, like, you know, nobody was really doing a traditional Kolsch here in the U.S. And... Yeah, and the cultures, cultures that I'd 
had come across were like either not using traditional Kolsch yeast or they were using, you know, Pacific Northwest hops or they were putting mango in it or whatever it was. And I'm like, you know, most of these were not traditional Kolsch's. So I'm like, we're going to do a Kolsch. Like I want Germans coming to our tap room saying this is the best darn Kolsch I've ever had. And Matthew's like, oh, yeah, oh, my God, like that. That's exactly what I want to do. Um, he was inspired by, you know, his trip to Cologne when he was a kid and drinking Kolsch, you know, in front of the cathedral there in Cologne. And he said, you know, I really want to do an authentic tribute to this style. And his other reasoning, too, is that uh, whenever you go to another brewery and hang out, the brewer, what are the brewers drinking? They're drinking the lightest lager, you know, they're drinking the, the kind of crushable, crushable beer. So he's like, I want that beer that other brewers are going to come here to drink and that that's, this is what they're going to crush when they're here. And sure enough, you know, it's, I mean, he knocked it out of the park. The first year got a perfect 100 rating by the bros at Beer Advocate and uh, Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine called it the perfect Kolsch. And then just recently it got a 96 on Wine Enthusiast and it's the highest rated Kolsch in Wine Enthusiast Magazine. So that's pretty interesting. About that. So have you gotten a lot of interest from people who generally drink wine or saying, hey, I need to check this out? As uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to dabble with beer, so I'm going for this. Not so much the wine people. Wine people really click with sours for me. Um, oh, I could see you know, yeah. Like, yeah. But we, we do get, you know, the people who are really into this beer are the ones that understand it. And, you know, either have been to Cologne and have had Kolsch, or they really get what this beer is about and, um, and really love it. You know, when... We launched in Southern Maine. We went, we got invited to the Maine Brewers Guild Festival. So we were pouring beers there and we brought the Kolsch and uh, we were cracking up because it, all the other brewers from the other breweries were rushing up to our booth and going, I heard I got to try the Kolsch. I heard I got to try the Kolsch. Get the Kolsch. <laughs> Get the Kolsch. <laughs> like, this, they're like, this is what we want. You know, this is, this is exactly what we we're going for. So, you know, Kelsey, I know you didn't mean it that way at all, but man, it, I chuckled a little bit inside where it's like, man. The guys that like this beer, they're just the ones that get it. They yeah, understand the it, man. <laughs> you, just, you just don't they understand, still get the beer, man. man. <laughs> well, I would say the ones that, that really love it, but it's uh, super easy drinking beer. You know, it's a great beer in the summer. It's one of our top pours in the beer garden, you know, all summer long. Kolsch is um, another style that for a while I had a lot of hate You had for. issues with I, it. I yeah. wasn't a Kolsch fan, but I have tried a few lately. From a few different breweries that have kind of turned my opinion around on that a little bit. I've been a big fan of some of the ones I've had. So if you can get it in really quick, time served. This is a beer that you just released that you started right before uh, you even got got going with the brewery, right? Yeah, this was one of the first uh, runs that we did through the brew house. And uh, we put it into wine barrels. We aged them for several years and then put it in bottles, aged it for longer. And it's been uh, almost six years in the making. And boom. Boom. There it is. Kelsey <laughs> saved your butt there, Brian. He knew. Yeah. He we, knew. He did. Have... That was very expeditious of him there. So, yeah. <laughs> thank you, Kelsey. Kelsey, thank you so much for joining us, sharing information about Exhibit A Brewing. If folks want to keep up with what's going on out there, what is the best way to do it? Uh, follow us on, on Instagram and on Facebook. We're Exhibit A Brewing on both of those. And, and then check out our website. When you're in Massachusetts, come check us out. Come to the tap room, right? Good yeah. deal. Sounds great. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show. Join us next week as we talk with Roadhouse Brewing. I am Tim Dennis here with Brian Hewitt. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great week, and don't forget to drink local. Cheers. 